perfect. Perfect. No more sickness, no more headaches, no more tiredness. Amen. And we're going to sing the wondrous story of how it's all all Jesus, Jesus gets all the glory for everything. Praise God. He needs to get it down here while we're here, too, especially amongst this old sick and dying world. Is there any prayer requests tonight? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We want to lift her up in prayer and pray that God heals it, first of all, just heals it, just outright heals it. And and if that's not his will, pray that he, he gets her the medical she gets the medical attention that she needs to get. All right. Anything else? Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, she said she got a heart heart issue, heart issues now. Do what? Haley got the big man up here today. Doctor Papa. Okay. <laughs> All right. She went straight to the top. Well, I mean, yeah, Daniel was going to do that. Yeah. They said, oh, it's just since you had surgery in the lab, it's going to do it. He got him down. Good deal. That's the force he works on. Well, amen. Well, let's lift lift her up in prayer, lift Eva up, and pray that that God gives her the healing that she needs. My Aunt Mary Ruth, lift her up in prayer, and my my, uh, cousin Carla, um, my sister. I know there's others that need it. Um, Anybody else? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, all those that aren't here tonight, yeah, I've got several out tonight, and, and uh, just lift up all those in prayer. Uh, pray, pray for Miss Phyllis. Pray for everybody else. Just pray that God just uh, works and gets everybody back in church, and we start having that we start having more regular attendance. I assume we just want to get folks in here, grow them in the Word of God. Just, just continue to pray. And let's ask God to meet with us tonight. And uh, Robert, lift us up in prayer. Amen. Be seated. Friend so kind as he. 
No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love. But I'll never know just why he came to save me. Till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Amen. <laughs> oh, you did fine for not knowing it. 427. 427. Nothing between my soul and the sea. I know that one. <laughs> 427. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. All of this world's elusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine, there's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. So that His blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. Nothing between life, worldly pleasures. Habits of life, so harmless they seem. Must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all, there's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. Nothing between my pride or station. Self or friends. Shall not intervene, though it may cost me much tribulation. I am resolved there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between. Nothing between, keep many hard trials. Though the whole world against me convene, watching with prayer and much self-denial, I'll triumph at last with nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing be tween. All right. Let's do 441. 441. Sunlight, sunlight. You know that one, sister? I did. All right. 441. <laughs> if we don't know that, we'll go to 443. We'll get one of these sunshine songs. I wandered in the shades of night till Jesus came to me. And with the sunlight of his love, bid all my darkness flee. 
Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of His love within. So clouds may gather in the sky and billow round me roll. However dark the world may be, I've sunlight in my soul. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I've had the sunlight of His love within. While walking in the light of God, I speak communion wide. I press with holy vigor on and leave the world behind. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of His love within. I cross the wide extended fields, I journey o'er the plains, and in the sunlight of His love I reap the golden grain. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today, sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of His love within. Soon I shall see Him as He is, the light that came to me. Behold the brightness of His face throughout eternity. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of His love within. Amen. Praise God. Good singing tonight, even if it was just a handful of us. Praise God. <clears throat> I always enjoy the song service. It sets my heart right to worship God. It is worshiping God, but it sets my heart in the right mood to meet with God through the Word of God. Turn in the Bible to Proverbs chapter 11 tonight. Proverbs chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 31. See, 27, 28. Five verses. A lot of stuff in those five verses. But we're going to finish out this chapter today. Chapter 11. Some of this stuff, you know, as we look at it and go over it, some of it sounds like stuff we've read before. Sometimes God just, he just gives us, he gives us these statements, but he words them a little bit differently. So you look at them from a little bit different perspective. Even though I know some of it seems like we're just saying the same thing over and over, but really and truly, it's not. It's uh, again, it's it's look. I always look at it like this. It's kind of like it's kind of like driving a nail. You ever get a nail that when you hit it and it bent, you try, and then you're trying to bend it back the other way. You know, I mean, it, every time you hit it, it seems like the head turns on it and it goes over here, and you got to hit it over here and hit it over here. Eventually, if you keep hitting it from side to side, you're eventually going to get it drove. And I can't think that's how God does with the truth. Sometimes, yeah, hit it over here. And then he hit it over here. They hit it over here until he gets that thing drove down in you. He'll hit it from on all sides. So let's go ahead and let's read. I just want to read those verses. We'll read verses 27 through 31, and we'll pray, and then we'll we'll get in this thing and get done tonight. Begin in verse 27. The Bible says, "He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come to him. He that trusteth in his riches." shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be the servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked and the sinner. Let's go to the Lord tonight in word of prayer. Ask God to meet with us. Father, we love you, and we thank you tonight for, Lord, we thank you for Jesus most of all. Lord, we're thankful for our Savior, thankful to be washed in his blood and set free from the curse of sin. Lord, from the penalty of, of death, Lord, we're so thankful tonight to be free from that. Lord, to be your children, our names written down in, in, in glory, a home 
prepared for us in those mansions in the sky. Father, we know that's a reality. And, Lord, because of that and the faith that we have in thee, Lord, we come tonight to learn at your throne, to learn at your feet. Spirit of God, speak to us from the word. Help us tonight. Lord, we live in a world full of sin. We live in a world uh, full of wickedness. And, Lord, we need the, we need the word of God tonight. Uh, we're like people on a dark road without a map unless we got the Word of God open, and then when we have it open, we can see clearly what we ought to do. Lord, I pray tonight you'll help me. Spirit of God, uh, fill me and speak through me. Open our hearts and minds tonight to receive the truth, and give us what we need, Lord, as believers. And Lord, help us speak tonight to those, Lord, who don't know Christ as their Savior, and may they, through the teaching tonight, come to realize that they need Jesus, to wash their sins away. Father, I pray you'd meet with us now. Speak through me. Touch us tonight in a real way. We'll thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Praise God. Verse 27 tonight, as we are in our study through these uh, these comparative uh, comparative verses, and, you know, it's just comparing the, the righteous and the wicked. And, and it, again, it runs from chapter 11 all the way through verse, uh, chapter 23. Each, each one of these verses is a comparison verse uh, unless, they're, unless they're noted otherwise. But verse 27 says, He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come to him. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. Uh, diligently, that means somebody who does something on a regular basis. They're faithful to it. They're 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 uh, they're consistent. Uh, and a person who's diligently seeking good or earnestly seeking good, uh, that again, they're not they're they're not going to accept they're not going to accept bad things. They're not going to accept bad behavior. Uh, what are they looking for? They're looking for God Himself, right? That they're looking, they're looking for the presence of God Himself again. A person who, who's earnestly seeking good, and, and and they're seeking that they may be blessed with favor. They want favor from God because again, all good things come from above. They come down from the Father of lights, and whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We know that. So if they're diligently seeking good, they're seeking the presence. They're seeking the mind of God. They're seeking the favor of God, and not just that, but they're also seeking that with men. But we know that that if you want to have favor with men, you better make sure you've got favor with God first. The Bible tells us that, you know, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, a wicked man may, may, may have the favor of other wicked men, but that's not procuring good at all. That's procuring evil. So if we want, if we want good in our life, then we've got to start seeking God rather than seeking men's favor. That's the thing. We get the cart before the horse. We start trying to chum up with, with, with people instead of seeking to get close to God first, and that's why our relationships with people don't end up like we want them to, is because we're trying to we're trying to make something fit before it ought, before it's been honed to fit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're, we're taking raw material trying to make it fit where God wants to polish us to make us fit perfectly. Uh, <clears throat> again, the good that's sought here in this verse is God himself. And I thought about Matthew 6.33, which says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The things that we crave, our human heart craves, God's saying, seek me first. Seek what I want first. Seek to know me first. Seek to walk in my ways first. And all these other things is going to work out fine. All these other things are going to be added to you. Well, what kind of things? I got to think, but what kind of things are we talking about? Well, I thought about two things that our human heart craves more than probably anything else. One of them is peace. I don't know about you, but you know what? I ain't got to have a lot in my life, but I would like to have peace in my life. I don't want peace. I don't want. I want peace in my family. I want peace amongst my children. I want peace amongst my friends and associates. You know, I want peace in my heart. But you know what? I got to have peace with God. I need peace in my life. You know, I, I was reading some. I was reading uh, after uh, A.W. Tozer today, a preacher of the past, and he makes this statement about about peace with God. He said, "God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which He must work, and only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves." 
if we just remember, we get we get we we have unrest in our heart. Well, why? Are we not trusting God with our life and our very every every essence of our being? If are we not all our times in His hands? And if they are, then why are we nervous and why are we upset and why are we worried? Because we're in God's hands and He loves us. He's our loving Heavenly Father. So if we're seeking Him and we're and we're we're honestly chasing after God with all our heart, pursuing Him, why would we be in anything but peace? Amen, because to know him is to know peace. And the other thing that, that we crave is, is to live in harmony with others, right? Well, peace is harmony with God, but we want harmony with man, too. I like what he said about, about that. He said, he said, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, again, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each looking away to Christ, are in part nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive to closer fellowship. In other words, we can try hard to get along, but unless we're looking to God, all looking to God the same, we ain't going to be able to get along. We work hard as we want to get along. Again, you, you, you have this stuff happening all over towns all over America. They have these ecumenical meetings where people try to get together and try to get rally around and, and find things in common. They usually do it at Easter and Christmas and you get the Catholics and the Presbyterians and the Whiskeypalians and the Pentecostals and a few uh, liberal backslid Baptists and the Methodists, and they try to get together and hold hands. Boom. When I was a pastor out here at Lane's Chapel 100 years ago, it seemed like, they, some of them tried to talk me into going to a Christmas thing up here at the Presbyterian Church. That didn't last until the water got hot. I'd ready to get out of there. Figured out right quick, and folks don't believe like we do at all. But anyway... But again, unless we are all looking to God and seeking after God, we can try to get along all day long and it won't work. Because God has to be what tunes our hearts. Amen? So again, he that seeketh good procureth favor. That's the only place you're really going to find what you're looking for is by, by chasing after God himself. <clears throat> but the second half of that verse says this. It says, but he that seeketh mischief. It shall come to him. Well, if you go looking for it, you're going to find it. Seeking good brings favor. That's, 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 that's a given. But when you start seeking evil, it's going to bring trouble into your life. You might think, oh, I can get away with doing wrong, and it won't happen to me. But, yeah, it will, too. God says so. And the trouble the trouble is often uh, simply finding the evil that you're looking for. I mean, let, me, let me give you an example. There's a, there's a video I saw the other day that's hilarious. Uh, it, was, it was a store. I don't know what kind of, it was a jewelry store, and it looked like it was either some Hispanics or, or Orientals. It was a security video. It's hard to tell. But this, this guy comes in in a hoodie, and he, he, he walks up to the register, and he says, open the register. He has a gun. Well, there's a woman over by the door, and there's another woman there with a stroller, and they're, they're shopping in there, and the woman gets up, and she says, come on. And and the woman with the stroller, they both walk out the door. He's standing at the register waiting on somebody to come to the register, and they locked locked him inside of it. Yeah, that bar's on the window. He's in a jail cell. He took that gun and went, hang, 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 hang on that lock. You know what? It didn't do a thing to it. You know what it did me and that man? He got down on his knees and started begging people, I'm so sorry. Please let me out of here, please. You know what that was? That was he that seeketh mischief. He shall come to him. He went in there looking to rob somebody, and he himself wound up getting getting locked up. I mean, what a deal. But, again, you go looking for trouble, you're going to find it. Uh, you know, it's just, that's just one of the laws that God puts out there. It's just going to happen. Verse 28, uh, it says, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall. Proverbs teaches us all the way through the value of money. I mean, money's just, listen, I, I think that sometimes people get the idea that preachers preach that money's evil. But money ain't evil. you got to have money. you got to function in this world. you got to have money to live. 
it's not money that's evil. It's it's the love of it. It's when people love it. And here's talking about he that trusteth in his riches. Well, what are we supposed to trust in? We're supposed to put our trust in the Lord. We're not we're not supposed to put our trust in how much money we got in the bank when we go look at our bike statement. Oh well, I, I feel okay because I got that. Because you know that can be gone like that. Uh, something terrible can happen tomorrow and wipe out your life savings. I mean, wipe out everything you got. You can't trust in riches. The Bible says you'll fall if you do that. Because because God, because if you're putting your trust in riches, you're not putting them in God, and you won't expect God to continue to bless you if you're looking to your money and how much money you got and saying, I'm okay because of this. No, I'm okay because God's got me. I'm okay because God has his favor on me right now. But if, if God should decide to put me through some kind of a trial and testing to prove my faith, or should he put me through some kind of trial or testing in order to prove somebody else's faith or to, or, or to, to, to help somebody else or to affect somebody else, listen, it can all be gone. I can't put my trust in that. I have to trust God to get me through whatever I'm going through. So we need to be careful to make sure that our trust is in God and not in our finances because, again, you trust in your riches, you're inviting your own fall. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 5 says, it asks the question, says, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. They're only there for a short time. Uh, you know, we've all, we've all, we've all had more than we've probably than we got. We've all, we've all lost some. We've all up and down. We ought to know that by now that riches are unstable. But uh, somebody said riches were never true to anybody that trusted in them. And that's the absolute statement. Uh, but the second half of that verse says, but the righteous will flourish as a branch. Um, the righteous man or the, or the woman who, who doesn't trust in riches, um, but in God, that person that person's going to be blessed. That person, that's going to lead to a flourishing life when you put your trust in God, not in your riches. Uh, because, again, whatever whatever's on my bank account, that's all I can trust in. I mean, man, I, and you know what? I can't trust that because my wife spends some of that. I can't trust what's in there because she might will spend some of it and didn't even tell me until later. So, so I can't trust in that money, but I can trust in the Lord because I can tell you he's had an impeccable track record and he's never let me down. And as long as I'm trusting him, the Bible tells me in Psalms, rather, the first chapter, the first three verses, and I know y'all know what it says, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So that's the person that the person we're talking about here. Again, this this person, he he, he he's he's um, he's delighting in God. It's, it says that uh, he's righteous. He's compared to the one who trusts in riches. So evidently, this person is trusting in the Lord like he should, and his delight being in God. The Bible says that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Okay. And any tree that's planted by the rivers of water, man, if you ever ride down a river in a boat or anything, you see them, them trees growing along the riverbank, and, man, they've got them big old roots that are growing all like spider legs down into the water. I mean, you know, them trees, ain't none of them dry. Ain't none of them got brown leaves on it. All of them just as green as they can be and lush. Why? Because they have a constant supply of nourishment. They're right next to the water side where there's fish that are generating waste, which is fertilizer, which they need, and they got everything to source right there, everything they would need. And God's saying, listen, that's the way a person is when they're right next to me. Not when they're standing as far away from me as they can possibly get and still say, oh, I know God. But the person who's, again, got enough of this world and not trusting in the riches and the things of this world, but trusting in God and got their eyes on God, then God says that man... That man's going to be blessed. He's going to flourish like that tree there by the river's edge. And, and it says that he brings forth his fruit in his season, so his life is full of uh, prosperity, not necessarily uh, that he's just a wealthy, wealthy man according to the wealth of this world, but the things of God. That person's wealthy. They're bearing fruit. And the Bible said, and his leaf shall not wither. So he's not, going to, he's not going to be an up and down, up and down, up and down. No, that's a consistency when a person walks with God. A person doesn't go up and down like this. 
they have a consistency when they walk with God. Their leaf shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper because he loves the Lord and he meditates on the Lord and his, and his mind is stayed on God, and God's going to bless that individual. He said so. All right, look at verse 29. Verse 29 says, He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. It's a sad thing when people are like that, when they when they cause trouble in their own household, take somebody who's got a drinking problem, they're a good person most of the time until they go to drinking, and then they go to drinking. I mean, I, I can't, can't tell you the many stories I've read about somebody who, you know, after they sobered up, realized they, they beat their wife up or they killed their wife or they hurt their kids or something. They didn't, they would have never done it if they hadn't been drinking. Or, or somebody letting methamphetamines or some kind of drug get a hold of them like that where they, they just steal from everybody they know. You know, it, it, God says somebody who, who does that, they, they're going to lose everything they got. You know, that, we're talking about a person who evidently is not, they're not close to God. They're not seeking after God. They're not meditating on God. This is a person who's in the opposite direction. This is a person who's, who's seeking after their own things and they're trying to get all they can get out of this world. Now, evidently, they've latched on to something that's destroying their their person, and it's not just destroying them, but it's destroying everybody else in their life. And when you bring when you bring trouble into your own family, and I know I'm not talking to y'all tonight. I don't know if anybody in here tonight who's bringing chaos and, and hardship in their own family, but there's people listening to me who, who's got people in their life or knows people who are going through something like that where you got somebody who's, it's just, I mean, everybody's trying to help them. Everybody's trying to love them. But no matter what you do, they're just, they're going to bring chaos in. I pastored a guy like that one time. I, I, I actually wrote a song about him one time. And this guy, he was his wife, his children, they, they, they loved the Lord. His little kids had gotten saved, and they were in church. They were going to Sunday school. Their wife, the wife was teaching Sunday school, but this guy had a drug problem. He had a terrible, he had a crack cocaine problem. And he absolutely was was destruct, such a destructive force in his household. I mean, he'd go and spend off his whole paycheck, be gone all weekend, come back, lost everything he had, would have nothing to show for it, beat up sometimes when he'd come in. Uh, he was doing all kinds of horrible things. And, uh, you know, and again, I saw his wife and the pain in her life suffering and his children suffering as a result of that. I've seen it happen time and time again as a pastor, and it's a horrible thing to watch happen. But it happens because... Again, the man is the head of the household, and that man, listen, when he comes, when he brings trouble in his own family, he's going to hurt everybody involved. Proverbs one, verse twenty-five through twenty-seven says, "It says, but you have said it no at all my counsel." In other words, you said everything I had to say was a bunch of baloney. You didn't want to hear it, and you would none of my reproof. You didn't want me correcting you. You knew what was better for you, not me. He said, "I will also laugh at your calamity. I'll mock when your fear cometh, because you mocked me." God's saying, you know what? When trouble hits you like a brick, I'm going to laugh at you. When your fear cometh as desolation, and when your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when that tornado of trouble is bearing down on you and is sucking up everything in your life and destroying everything and leaving it flat and leveled, God says, I'm going to laugh when your anguish and destruction cometh upon you. Why? Because you troubled your own house. You brought it on your own head. That's awful. Why would God be like that? Because God given them, God's given them time and time and time and time and time and time and time again to repent. God's given them space over and over and over to turn from their wickedness and turn to him and believe and be saved. Time's only going to last so long and his patience is going to run out. God's a long-suffering God. God's more long-suffering than we are, but God's patience only lasts so long. So I say, if anybody was saying my voice listening in tonight, listen, if you're, in, if you're in a situation you know you're destroying your own house and your own family, your own your wife, your, everything in your life, turn to God and give it up and repent. Turn to God and he'll give you healing for everything in your life. Uh, second half of that verse says, the fool shall be servant to the, heart of, of the wise of heart. Well, God's blessing the wise man. God's blessing those who love him, that are serving him, that are following after him. And God's going God's to lift up and bless the wise of heart. And so the wise of heart, again, they're going to have God's blessing in their life. And the foolish man or the foolish woman, they need to expect to end up working for the wise man or woman. 
They're going to be servant to them because they're not going to have God's favor in their life. They say, you don't want to be, you don't want to have such a hard life. Well, start loving the Lord. Turn to God. Believe on him. Trust him. Look to him. Pray and ask him for all your your, your substance instead of instead of trying to get it all yourself. Let God guide you. Verse 30, i got to hurry. I want to get through this tonight. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. I really wanted to get to this star of the show tonight, this verse of Scripture. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. A righteous life, if, if a person is going to, to live a life of righteousness, which, of course, means seeking to please God, which means seeking to abstain from sin, uh, seeking to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, uh, seeking to uh, obey the commandments of Christ and not to do whatever we choose to do. Uh, the Bible says that kind of life bears fruit. And a righteous life gives life to others. Um, you know, when you talk about a tree here, Say, say you got an apple tree in your yard, and it bears fruit. What is the fruit of an apple tree? Somebody tell me. Huh? An apple? It would seem like it would be the fruit of an apple tree, wouldn't it? But if that apple falls off that tree and goes into the ground, what's the fruit of it going to be? Huh? The fruit. Well, yeah, but the, the fruit, if it bears after its kind, it's going to make another apple tree. Am I right? I mean, we're getting, we're getting there. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is, Yes, the seed, yes, the seed, the fruit, all those things are, are, are part of bearing the fruit. But the actual end result of the fruit is not somebody standing there eating an orange or eating an apple. The actual end result is it's going into the ground and another tree coming up. And that's what the Bible's talking about when it says the fruit of the righteous. Now, yes, being around a Christian, you can be blessed by being around a Christian. There's no doubt about that. You can get all the love and the joy and all the you – can, you can get a residual from their personality get all those things. The truth of it is we're talking about it – Making after its kind, okay? The, the New Testament talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit in the life of God's people, Galatians five twenty two and 23, which says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So, yes, uh, again, you People feel that when they're around another believer. They experience the love of God. They experience the joy of God, the peace of God, long-suffering, all those things by being around somebody else. But, like I said, the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Ephesians 5, 9 says that. <clears throat> but this, this fruit bears fruit like a tree of life to others. Um, the end result is not us just being good to other people. The end result is not us just being joyful to other people. All those things are, are, are fruits that we bear to identify us as that type of tree. That identifies us as a tree of righteousness, one that God has raised up and not something of our own making. Yes, those fruits bear that we are God's tree. We are God's, uh, uh, we bear God's fruit. But again, the actual fruit is, is that we See, another soul come into the kingdom of God. That's the fruit of a righteous tree, is another tree, which bears fruit and reproduces after its kind over and over and over and over, and that's how souls come into the kingdom of God. So, again, that's what that's what the verse is ultimately saying. <clears throat> but, yes, it, you know, if you look at the life of a believer and what it does in its impact to other people, a tree brings shade. You know, uh, again, uh, a relief from the from the from the hot sun. We can look at it from uh, being in the presence of a Christian is is a relief from this world, from the from the the overbearing uh, things of this world, and also that they can feed off of that and get sustenance from it. But again, like I said, the fruit of the righteous is to bear another Christian. Spurgeon said this. He said, "The fruit of the righteous, that is to say, his life." It's not a thing fastened upon him like a Christmas ornament, but it grows out of it. Pay attention, pay careful attention that your religion is real, true, natural, and vital. 
not artificial, constrained, superficial, a thing of the times, days, and places, a fungus produced by an excitement, a fermentation generated by meetings and stirred by oratory. We all need a religion which can either live in a wilderness or in a crowd, a religion which will show itself in every walk of life and in every company of people. Amen. If it's general, if, if, if what you have is, is genuine, it don't make no difference where you're at. You'll be the same person regardless who you're around. That's the kind of fruit, genuine fruit. Again, he talks about not like a fake Christmas ornament hung on something. Well, listen, we don't want something fake and phony. We want something that's come from the source, something real. And that's what God is referring to here. And he says, he that winneth souls is wise. One of the greatest uses of wisdom is to win souls to Jesus Christ. And it takes wisdom to love somebody, to give, and to politely answer those who have yet to come into God's kingdom because it ain't always the most pleasant experience trying to win somebody to Jesus. It takes you loving somebody to do that. You know, you think about I think about this, the word win, to win somebody. Uh, you know, we use the word win in romance. You know, I want to win her heart. You know, I love that girl. I'm a winner heart. You know, and that, we're talking about romance in that regard. So uh, to win souls, you got to love them. So in that in that way, we're we're to win souls like somebody's trying to win somebody's heart in romance. You know, uh, not not romance, but you understand what I'm trying to say. John twenty twenty one. Uh, Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Just as God sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us. Well, how did he send Jesus? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave his only begotten Son, and you know what? We're to give of ourselves for other people to come into the kingdom of God. So we're not to be stingy. We're, we're, not to, we're to spare no expense to try to try to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about win in terms of romance, but also the word win, when you talk about we win a war, we need to win the war. So to win souls is battle. It's battle. Paul said he was sent to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He's turning them from the power of Satan unto God. It's a battle because Satan ain't just giving up. It's a battle. Ephesians 6, 12, and 13, for we wrestle. It's a wrestling match. It's a, it's a struggle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The Bible talks about in Jude, uh, verse 23, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. It's a battle. We're in a war. He says, he said, we're, to, we're, to, we're to hating the garment spotted by the flesh. We hate the sin that, that, cost, that their lives are consumed by, and we're there in the middle of it trying to pull them out. We hate having to deal with it, but we've got to deal with it to rescue them. It's a war that we're in trying to win souls. And then we use the word win when it comes to sports. And to win souls is a competition. You might say competition. Well, it, it was where I went to Bible college, but that's not the competition we're talking about. The competition, listen to this. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and following. He said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. You know what? There's a lot of preachers that need to take that down to heart, too. You know, you can have a whole lot of folks saved that week, and you put all the numbers on your board in the back of your room and brag and say, look what we did. You didn't do nothing. It was God. He didn't, if, you wouldn't have had nothing if it hadn't been for him. Paul said, I don't have anything to glory of. He wrote 14 books of the New Testament. I think if anybody had anything to glory of, Paul could have, but he didn't. He said, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me. In other words, I'm in trouble if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, if I go along and preach the gospel and share Jesus with people, I have a reward. He said, but if, 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 I, if against my will, if, I, if I'm doing it, even, you know, because I feel forced to do it, he said, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. 
I'm here right now. Christ, Christ has saved me, and this is my time here. And during the time that I'm here, God's got me here. I need to do what I'm supposed to do. I need to share Jesus with other people. He said, what is my reward then? Verily that, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the, the gospel of Christ without charge. I'm, I'm giving something away for free, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. He said, for though I be free from all men, yet ha have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. He says, not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ. He's talking about the Gentiles who are not Jews and not following the law of Moses. He said, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof for you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. He said, get after it, man. Win somebody to Jesus. Strive for the mastery. He said, for everyone that striveth for the mastery, to be good at winning souls to Jesus, he's talking about that. And he said, everybody that does that, he said, is temperate in all things. If you want to be good at it, you can't just be wild about it. You've got to, you've got to be studied in your craft. You've got to know the gospel. You've got to be close to the Lord. You've got to walk with him. You've got to do it right if you're going to win. But he says, hey, if you do it right, guess what? There's something to be won here. Said, he said, now, they do it to win a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. He said, I'm trying to win a crown. Now, he's not competing with anybody else. He's not saying, I'm competing trying to win like I'm trying to beat, I'm, like I'm trying to beat Timothy and Silas and trying to win people to Jesus. It ain't like, it ain't like some kind of Jack Howell stuff where they're, where they're getting sitting at the end of the day tallying up their paper and saying, well, I beat you. I did more than you did. Ain't some of that nonsense. Listen, no. He's saying, listen, when I get to heaven, when I stand before Jesus at the, at, the, at, the, at the judgment seat of Christ, I don't want to have to hang my head in shame. I want there to be a crown, an uh, incorruptible crown handed to me because I was faithful in doing what Christ called me to do. He that winneth souls. He's talking about catching them like a bird, like a, like a, like a man catches a bird. Uh, you know, he, he uses all his skill. He uses everything he knows how to do to, to win to, to, to catch that thing he's after, and we're to do the very same thing to try to pluck these souls out of the devil's snare because that's where they're at. And I got one more, and we're going to be done. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked and the sinner. <clears throat> he says, Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. That means paid back, of course. Now, Paul just got through talking about receiving reward when he got to heaven. And and, and I, I agree with that, and I believe that that's going to be where the most of all the blessing we're going to get is going to be. It's when we get up there. But that doesn't mean God won't bless you down here if you serve him. Because many times, you know, those who walk with God, who, who live righteously and, and serve him, they see something of the reward. God gives them blessings along the way. And, while they're still here on earth. So I think so that others can see that it does pay to serve God. It is a blessing to serve God. Everybody's not suffering who's serving God. God blessing some of us. Not to say that I'm thoroughly, completely blessed, but God's been good to me. I'm no rich man, but God sure been good to me in spite of all that's happened in my life. <clears throat> and it ain't about riches. It ain't about none of those things. I, listen, I got my health. God blessed me with health. God's blessed me with a good family. I got lots of things to be thankful for and to praise God for. But the righteous life is a blessing in itself. Living for God is a blessing in itself. You know, again, it's not just what we have down here. It's what we have that we're going to. I mean, I have not seen or ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. We've got so much to look forward to that we're going to. But, but God does say that, that the righteous will be paid back down here too. So again, having God's presence in your life is a blessing in itself. But the Bible talks about, the last part of that verse is, but much more the wicked and the sinner. Much more the wicked 
in the center. The righteous will receive their reward, and like often down here on this earth, but it's sobering to consider how much more this is true of the ungodly and the sinner. I want to tell you a story about a guy that I that I used to know. I'm going to close with this. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because it's bothered me here lately, and I just felt like if I talk about it, I'll feel better about it. Um, when I was a kid, when I was in my teenage years, I thought I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I know that sounds stupid, uh, listening to me, looking at me up here at night, but I, I, literally that's what I thought I wanted to be with my life. And I chased after that dream for several years like an idiot. But it was during that time that I was playing in rock bands around here locally in this area that a friend of mine uh, by the name of Mick, who lives in Paris, he's a good guy, got saved at my stepmother's funeral. As a matter of fact, I was, I was doing a service when he got saved. But back then, we all hung around listening to rock music and things. And, and my friend Mick, he was following a band out of Dallas by the name of Pantera. And these guys played clubs in Sherman, and he went to see them. He was got to be real good friends with them. Well, several years passed, and I'm, I got older and got out of playing in bands, but those guys he used to go see, they got famous. I mean, they blew up. They blew up, completely blew up. I mean, super-duper famous in the world of hard rock, heavy metal, music, and things of that nature. And uh, <clears throat> at one point in time, they actually they played a music festival in Moscow. For The biggest crowd ever played for it was like one point. 1.3 million people, I think, was at that concert. You think about 1.3 million, how many people you could reach. With one, you, you, have a, you have the stage, and you're in front of 1.3 million people in, in Moscow, Russia. Uh, but they sang about hellish things, destruction, death, those kinds of things to that crowd. <clears throat> I ran into him, the guitar player of that band. His name is Daryl Abbott. He's two years older than me. I ran into him at at a music festival and talked to him and told him of my friend Mick, who he knew, and we had a connection. And, and I saw him at several different places that I went out to see his band play over the years, and he'd always stop and talk to me, and we got to know one another. Well, he got super-duper famous. I never saw him again after that. But uh, his band, you know, they had all the fame and fortune and everything they could ever want, but their bandmates were racked with drug use and alcohol use and a singer was hooked on heroin. The band broke up. And several years went by, and these guys found themselves in their 30s, wondering what they were going to do. And they put a new band back together, and they went on the road, and they were trying to they were trying to get famous again. Well, December 8, 2004, they played a club in Columbus, Ohio, and they stepped out on stage that night, about to hit the first note on the guitar and start the show. The, the drummer and the brother, were, uh, drum, the drummer and the guitar player were brothers. And they looked over at each other and said their code word. They always said to remind each other to have a good time on stage that night. And just as he went to hit the guitar for the first note, a guy come up out of the stage with a pistol and shot him four times in the face. Killed him right there on the spot. Now you say, why do you bring that up? Because every time I drive over that part of the country, it bothers me. I think about that. And I think about that guy that I met and talked to so many times. And, 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 and he was a great, nice guy, but he wasn't saved. <clears throat> a couple months ago, I just happened to run across a video on, on YouTube. Uh, actually, I, I remembered him. I, got to, I saw his name, and I typed his name in. This video came up. And it was a video of some people in a motel room where their band was playing, it was some Christians who had come and tried to witness to him. And this woman had him by the hand, was trying to get him to pray with her, and he was mocking her and laughing and making jokes and joking about Satan had a hold of him. He couldn't take Jesus because Satan had a hold of him. Boy, I tell you what, it, he's in hell tonight. You know, again, the righteous will be paid back on this earth, but how much more the wicked and the sinner? You know, again, he thought he had everything. He had fame. He had fortune. He had all the money. He had all the, the, the adoring fans that took one night, one guy, put an end to everything. And then there he stood before Satan face to face. I'm going to tell you something. It pays to serve God. I'm thankful tonight that I'm a believer. I'm thankful tonight 
that I didn't continue down that road that I was on. I'm thankful tonight that, that I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I've lived, I've lived, I lived a life in my youth that I'm ashamed of. But I'm thankful that, that Christ has set me free from all that. I'm thankful that I've been forgiven for all that. But I'm going to tell you tonight, I have walked amongst those who live wickedly, and I've seen the result of their lives. And I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't trade being a child of God for anything in the world. And I'd say tonight to anybody listening to me, listen, you if you're out there uh, playing with the devil, I'm going to tell you, he plays hard, and, and, and he's going to take you down. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Believe on him. Trust in his blood, and he'll save you. And I, I, I'm just telling you tonight. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. This old world is after us. This old world is about to go down in flames. I don't know if y'all can tell by the climate, everything in our country, we're in trouble. We've been in trouble for a long time, but we're in more trouble now than we've ever been. And I'll tell you, we need to get close to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to get close to him, and we need to meditate on him. We need to look to him, take our eyes off of all these things that are come against us in this world and get our eyes on Jesus and walk with him and let him bear that fruit in our life that we might be a blessing to others around us who need Jesus in this hour that we're living in. Because if we don't, they're going to wind up with a, with a faith that they don't want. They're going to wind up meeting their own the, the, the fruits of their own wickedness if they don't come to Christ. You and I are the, are the, the light shining in the darkness. We've got the message. We just got to take it to the ones that need it. Let's stand together. <clears throat>